sacrifice. Oh, I did it for the ride. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Turnbuckle Training. Introducing first your longtime fan, short-time podcaster, and former fantasy wrestling hardcore champion, Peyton, Mrs. Courtney Cox Green. And his tag team partner making his debut in the wacky world of fighting fools, Zach. I'm really mad I had to watch this movie, Barlow. You know, I don't know why I messed that up. I said Mrs. Courtney Cox when I meant to say Mr. Courtney Cox as a reference to David Arquette being married to Courtney Cox at one time. Yeah. Um, kind of fucked that one up. But, you know, it's like, why? Why did she pick him? Look, I don't want to hate on David Arquette. I like David Arquette, okay? he's He can't help it that he was in this movie. Or that he won the WCW championship, which he did not want to do. I feel like David Arquette's been in like two good movies, though. Like everything yeah, else he's been in is honestly, I, I can't, I can't really name a lot of good David Arquette movies, or really a lot of David Arquette movies in general. I was scrolling through was his like, IMDb. Let me tell you, it's rough. I've got Ready to Rumble, the four Scream movies, and. Eight-Legged Freaks is all I can think of that David Arquette is in. Yeah. Um, and, man, just... Oh, this was a bad one. Yeah, it was rough. So, uh, here's this is a show for longtime wrestling fans and rookies alike. We're going to take you through some of the biggest shows, matches, rivalries, and apparently movies in wrestling history. And if you yeah, know that's right. nothing about wrestling... Uh, specifically nothing about wrestling movies, then God bless you, turn off this episode before you learn anything. Um, but if you don't do that and you're worried that you're going to be here all alone, don't worry, I don't know anything either. Yeah, we are transitioning from wrestling critics to f- film critics today. Um, we're going to be talking about Ready to Rumble, uh, which is... A movie that came out in 2000, and it's a movie based on and entirely centered around probably the worst wrestling company to ever exist, WCW in the year 2000. Yeah. Now, for all, all you big WCW fans out there, I'm not calling WCW the worst wrestling company of all time. I'm calling WCW specifically in the year 2000 the worst wrestling company of all time. Um, Because... And, like, the worst wrestling company of all time in the worst era for comedies of all time creates a buddy comedy film that is one of the worst films of all time. Yeah, it's probably one of the worst films you've never heard of. Um, really, the only notable thing about this movie is the promotion around it, which gave us one of the worst things to ever happen in wrestling history. Yeah, yeah. So um, the movie is so bad, it ru- it ruined a wrestling company. So last week, uh, I'm sure you all remember, in the bad wrestling episode, we talked about David Arquette winning the WCW Heavyweight Championship or world title. Same thing, right? Yeah. Uh, and sort of we were scratching our heads and saying, 
Well, why did that happen? That's strange. Or I was. Peyton was telling me why that happened because of this awful movie. So we decided to go watch this awful movie and then make you listen to our thoughts about it. So apparently they decided to make this movie because WCW was starting to decline in popularity and they wanted to kind of you know, rejuvenate their audience. Uh, 2000 is the year before WCW will end up closing. Um, in fact, let's let's take a look at, at the Wikipedia page. Uh, when exactly did this movie come out? Uh, Ready to Rumble hit theaters in April on April 7th of 2000. Um, WCW closed in April of 2001. Yeah. Um, so, man, if that's not a Mothman standing on the Point Pleasant Bridge kind of omen, there isn't one. Um, well, just let me give you a little bit of a taste of what WCW was like in 2000. So, when we talk about the world title, you know, obviously this is a fictional scripted sport. And so that it, it technically, you know, winning and losing the world championship doesn't actually mean anything. Except that, you know, when someone is the world champion, you're placing a lot of value on them as being the person who can be the face of the company, who can carry the company. So, if the company is going to give you the world title, it means they see something in you, or at least it should. Also, you know, you don't want your, your title to be just thrown around like it's worthless. You want it to be, seem like it's hard to win. Well, in WCW in the year 2000, the WCW changed hands. It was either vacated or won by someone else 25 times in one year. Oh, my God. Um, so, I mean, you're a, a long title reign. Uh, people would consider a, a one-month-long title reign to be a pretty short title reign. Um. Even even six months is not that long. So the fact that it changed hands a 25 total times is a testament to WCW not knowing what the fuck they were doing. Yeah. Including giving the championship to David Arquette and Vince Russo, a writer. Um, and also, at one point, Chris Benoit won the world title and then quit the next day. <laughs> so... WCW was really struggling. They were making some strange booking decisions. At this point, um, all the big NWO guys had left. Hulk Hogan is gone. Eric Bischoff is gone. And you know the they last still... thing they needed to do? The very the the they could have taken a lot of steps. They could have said, "Okay, we're getting back to basics. We're we're going back to sort of our more straight laced audience and and appealing to those guys. And we're not going to do the Attitude Era stuff or." We're going to, you know, actually step up our wrestling, and we're going to do things that people have never seen before. But what they did instead was waste $12.5 million on this. Yeah, on this absolute piece of trash, which is which offends me as a wrestling fan, and as a movie fan, and as a person with eyeballs. <laughs> so, I know what you're thinking. This movie can't be that bad, can it? Um, here's the thing. It can. My biggest question about this movie is, who is it made for? Yes. 
I uh, very much am asking the same question. Because it's a wrestling movie, and you would think, okay, is this made for wrestling fans? No. No, because it constantly shits on wrestling fans the entire movie. It also has no clear sense of, is wrestling real or fake? I'm not saying you can't make a movie and in the movie wrestling be considered like a real and everything they do and all the storylines are real and everything. That can work. The problem is this movie does not settle on is wrestling going to be like is it going to be work or shoot? Yes, it and flops they kind of back and forth constantly on that issue. The other huge problem with this movie um is that its main character is supposed to be this really great wrestler, but he just looks like like a drunk uncle. Yeah. Yeah. I cannot believe, I, like, I can't reasonably suspend disbelief to believe that this guy is the world champion of WCW, despite the fact that one of the people in this movie was a WCW champion. And, well, and because they just don't, I guess the WCW in making this didn't quite trust their wrestlers to be actors the way that in a WWE movie, the actors are wrestlers. Um, but they said no to that here and just put some B-lister in as the main wrestling character, which... Oh, come on. B-lister? That's that's giving him a little too much. (laughs) I looked up Oliver Platt because I was like, I feel like I've seen that guy in something. And I'm pretty sure I have, but I still don't know what it is because I looked at at his... IMDb, and I don't recognize anybody or any movie he's ever been in. <laughs> um, but uh, I guess I guess let's dive into it. I, I do have a question for you: Is uh, was there a moment for you when you were watching this where you're like, "Oh, okay, so this is how this is gonna be"? Yeah, and it was at the very, very beginning. <laughs> Okay. It was as soon as uh, the grocery store clerk said a slur. What was that? What was the slur? Uh, it was the R word, which he refers to. Ah, the... that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, I think mine was right before that when I when I heard this phrase. Why does it look like your fingers in your butt? Because it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this movie, uh, a buddy. Okay. Buddy comedies from the 2000s are my least favorite type of film in existence. They're objectively the worst. Um, Even the good ones I don't particularly care for, but I see where other people do. Like, sort of a Harold and Kumar thing. I see where people do enjoy that. Um, This is trying to be that, and it is just checking off the boxes of a 2000s comedy without actually putting in any of the work. So we have, uh, you know, so far here, butt joke, check. Playful use of slurs, check. Um, uh, our, our two main characters here are David Arquette and another guy. Um, David Arquette is called Gordy, and then we have Sean, and they really like this wrestler called Jimmy King who, again, is the aforementioned Oliver Platt, who does not look at all like he could be a wrestler. Like, was there not an actor 
who at least like David Arquette looks more like he could believably be a wrestler than this guy. <laughs> he also has a very stupid gimmick that I can only assume is like a shot at Jerry the King Lawler. Oh, you mean his gimmick of implying rape? Uh, what? Yeah, that was his whole thing was saying that he was going to uh to dominate people and and yeah, it's a whole whole rape thing. I was saying his gimmick was that he's a king, but I don't I don't I didn't really pick up on the implying rape, but I, you know, I I Oh, it's Depo's there. Uh, cuz what's okay. his, his catchphrase? I'm I'm going to rule you? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to rule. That's you. just cuz he's a king though. No, it was definitely a rape thing. How what what makes you say that? The fact that this is a two thousand this comedy came out in the year two thousand and that was like peak comedy then. Also, there's a couple of points in it where like they did like he's making the action figures have have sex and he's like, I'm gonna rule you and yeah. That that is true. That that does that does indeed happen. Um so the the whole the you know, there's there's always in every every like comedy like this, there's always going to be like a guy who who has issues with his dad, which is David Arquette's character. His dad is a cop who really wants his son to be a cop because he thinks wrestling is stupid. And we're introduced um, to him in so I guess we should sort of paint this scene ra- rather than just sort of talking about it nebulously so that our audience can follow along with the general plot of this movie. Fair, although following along with the plot of this movie is difficult. It is. Um, so uh, David Arquette and friend are hanging out in front of a convenience store talking about wrestling to a bunch of kids. Uh, they open with talking about all the greats, in which, if you notice, they do name Superfly Snuka murderer. Um, and so, but they're like, oh, but there's only one guy that's really great, and that's our main boy. Uh, and we're gonna go see him, uh, Monday Night Nitro, and he's gonna fight Diamond Dallas Page. Um, well, there also is some sort of tension between the grocery store clerk, who doesn't like them, because he also thinks wrestling is stupid. Um, and there's a a gimmick that is used. Peyton, would you like to describe how they sort of grift themselves into a free icy uh david arquette sticks his finger in his butt and then puts his finger in his his icy and is like smell my icy it smells like butt yeah 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 that's the opening scene of this wrestling movie that is less than four minutes in um and yeah so one thing that i okay so i did watch this with a friend of mine um, which was very unfortunate for them, but uh, yeah, I don't know that I would uh, consider you consider you friends anymore if you force somebody to watch this movie. Yeah, and it was really unfortunate because they they had just come from a funeral and they were like, I don't oh. really want to be alone right now. I was like, that's fine, but there is something I have to do tonight, and you're not going to like it. Oh Lord. Um. So, but they said something that I think uh, was very, very true. That this movie looks like a caricature of a movie. Yeah. Like, 
Its jokes are too stupid and too over the top and too on the nose that it almost doesn't seem real. It seems like it is a parody of a comedy that you would see characters watching in something else. Hmm. Now that is, that is, that's some highbrow, you know, uh, analysis of this here. We need to get this person on the show. <laughs> but I uh, think there was only one moment in this entire movie where I laughed. And uh, I'll get to it in a little yes, bit. Yes, there was also for me only one line that I was like, okay, that was a good line. Um, but the cop dad shows up at the convenience store and he's like, David Arquette, you're going to become a cop. But before he does that, he does grab his own son's balls. Yeah, he starts patting them down for no reason. Gay joke, check. Um, and, but also, here's a line I want to talk about, is that Gordy's cop dad says, you can't be a wrestler, you have trouble wrestling your wee-wee out of your pants to take a leak. To which David Arquette responds, it's not that I have trouble, it's that sometimes I don't see the point. So, <sighs> he just pees his pants? Yeah. Yeah, he's, is that what he's? he's that so I, it's not even. I don't even get like why that's a joke. Like what? Because Peyton, like, as this movie will beat us over the head with, poop and pee is funny. And if you yep. walk away from this movie and poop poop pee pee makes that, me go ha ha. Yeah, this movie rests so much of its writing on the fact that it thinks the audience member is gonna find poop the most hilarious thing that has ever happened which brings us to the occupation of these two boys as we sort of get a slice of life from them in the couple of following scenes they're porta potty cleaning guys they clean porta potties into a tank truck get it because it's poo poo pee pee poo poo pee pee fun time uh, another thing that, you know, they think is really funny, because it's a 2000s comedy, is, is like, sexually harassing women. Yeah, so they, they throw they show up at the drive-thru of where David Arquette's crush works. And uh, this is actually the other guy's crush. Oh, I apologize. Th- this is Sean's crush. Yes, we throw, show up at a drive-thru where Sean's crush works, and she is a blonde, of course, as romantic leads well i hesitate to say that because she's in actually this she's the one brunette scene. though um, her friend is blonde his crush is the brunette no his crush is the blonde one at the beginning because they do brunette girl can't be attractive because she's a brunette oh. girl trope. gotcha 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 okay um in fact he literally says of this girl because she also likes wrestling and things he says she's too much like a guy liking her would make me gay Damn, I'd tune that one out, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it, it really stood out to me as sort of the, the, be, the biggest line of the film. Ooh, this one is, is, is rough, huh? Yeah, it's bad. It's so bad. And, uh, so, yeah, you can't, Peyton, you don't, you can't like girls that have the same interest in, as you do. It's Because then that'll make gay. you gay. And you know what? And here's the thing about gay. Is gay funny? Gay funny. Gay and poop funny. Poop poop pee pee. Gay gay homo. Ho <laughs> I just did a comedy. You I just, just did wrote a two thousand. I just wrote a two thousand comedy film. script. Um, 
so let's talk about some of the nonsensical wrestling aspects of this movie. Um, this is the thing that bugs the shit out of me, is that DDP, Diamond Dallas Page, is supposed to be, like, the villain, kind of, of this film. Except for DDP, it was always a face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you're absolutely right. It doesn't make any sense. And the which I, I want to get to when we get to the scene I want to discuss a lot of the problems with the the what is real and what is not real in this movie because man does it just completely blur and then throw away that line yeah that line does not exist uh, but before we get there to the wrestling show there's a couple other moments I just wanted to hit on um, like when David Arquette's dad says that his sister just shot her first perp today because she's also a cop. You know, mm-hmm. police brutality jokes. Check. And uh, and also, his way of trying to convince his son to be a cop is by pointing a fucking gun in his face. Yep. Uh, but after that, they take their poop truck and they go to the wrestling show where we see, um, well, Peyton, you want to show, Peyton, you want to say some of the names of the the folks that we see here? Yeah, we've got, uh, we've got Billy Kidman, we've got, uh, Juventud Guerrera, uh, we've got Rey Mysterio without a mask on. And thank God I Uh, didn't realize that it was him, because I would have turned this off. Yeah, Rey Mysterio is in this, is in this movie, but this was right after he stopped wearing the mask, so... Um, they get really excited about seeing the Nitro Girls, which I have to mention, I cannot fault this movie about because that was a real thing in WCW was that they just had fucking girls come out and dance for part of their show. Yeah. Because the women didn't wrestle, they just danced. Um, in extremely over-sexualized outfits, of course, because this is wrestling. And that's the thing, I give the WWE a lot about their problematic aspects but wcw in this movie is showing that they can uh they can you know really go toe-to-toe on that Mm -hmm. uh but yeah so also uh i feel like we should mention that david arquette vacuumed out a porta potty with his friend in it earlier in the movie and his friend was like if you do this king's gonna get hurt tonight which foreshadowing what what, so I didn't. I was not aware that like that was some sort of like you know walking under a ladder breaking a mirror kind of shit. Yeah, everyone knows that if you vacuum out a porta potty with your friend inside of it, then your favorite wrestler loses. Mm. <laughs> That's uh, you know you know that old superstition yeah, that we yeah. all know about. Yeah, there's a lot of like weird shit based superstition in this movie. Indeed. Uh, so, at the wrestling show, we have, uh, I look at our villain here, who is their promoter, and whose name I personally have forgotten. Titus Sinclair. Uh, Um, according to IMDB trivia, this was originally supposed to be Eric Bischoff playing himself, but he got fired right before this, so they came up with Titus Sinclair, who is WCW's CEO. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um... So he's walking through the locker room, and he's talking to Goldberg and DDP, and he tells DDP, okay, 
Jimmy King isn't here, but let me just tell you, the the finish is going to be he's going to pile drive you for the win. So we are establishing now that wrestling is a work and that the finishes are predetermined. Yes. But then he takes DDP aside and says, actually... I want you to win. So he's basically trying to Montreal screw job him for reasons that are never explained. Because he doesn't like King for some reason. Because, okay. But why? Here's the thing. They talk about King being the best wrestler ever because they say that he is, quote, undefeated. They also say, uh, or this character says that he is tired of having him have been there for 14 years. That means that this in-world character has had a 14-year run of being undefeated. Well, to be fair, they used to say Andre the Giant went 18 years undefeated. That Wow, really? Which wasn't actually true, but at least it was true in canon, which means he's not the best wrestler of all time. <laughs> but what makes... What I think is really funny about that is that that does not make someone love a wrestler. Being undefeated for a prolonged period of time makes people hate a wrestler. Yeah. Um, here's the other thing. If Jimmy King is so over and the fans love him, why would you want to get rid of him? Yeah. That, like you're just making question. your fans hate him. Or you're making your fans hate you. Um, and so then when the match starts, our two boys are up in the bleachers and they got bad seats. Um, so they can't hardly see anything, but they're peeking out and they're trying to see stuff. And they, they, as soon as Diamond Dallas Page and Jimmy King come out, they're telling everyone around them, Hey, it's Diamond Dallas Page and Jimmy King at the main event. And it's like, what would you is that realistically what you would be saying to someone else in an audience at a wrestling show that knows what show they're at? Hey guys, the movie is starting. <laughs> yeah, it's like going to see your favorite band and you're like, "Oh yeah, time for the band to play." Oh look. I believe that is ACDC playing some of their music. <laughs> um yeah, no, that is that is is very strange. Um, they do this thing where DDP and King are like actually calling their spots in the ring, like the real wrestlers would do. And see, I thought that part of it was actually really cool. Like that was a cool thing to put in your movie. But then they completely like just ruin that by like having DDP start using apparently start fighting him for real, but still using wrestling moves. Yep. Wrestling moves that would require... Assistance. Both parties to be, like, actively participating. Like, if you try to powerbomb someone who's, like, resisting, you're not going to be able to do yeah, it. Yeah, it ain't going to work. Like, uh, he, he's, he straight up, like, catapults him over the top rope and through a table, which, like, you cannot do... Like, you can't do that to someone who's, like, dead weight. Right, right. Um, also, okay, the liminal space that is refs in this movie, where sometimes the refs are real, sometimes they're not, it's Schrodinger's ref. Um, 
What do you mean they're sometimes they're real, sometimes they're not? Okay. So here, the referee, there's just so many things going on that could get this man disqualified. Oh, yeah, that's true. And so if we think, okay, wrestling is fake, then it makes sense that he's not being disqualified. But if we say wrestling is real and these refs have some kind of actual power, like they seem to later in the movie and even in this scene where he has to grab the ref to actually get the pin, the refs do matter? What is going on? Well, that's the thing. is This movie tries to both be a movie for wrestling fans and a movie for people who don't know anything about wrestling, which it cannot be. Like you Unlike can't do our those podcast, which can do that. But, like, it's like expecting you to not understand the rules of wrestling and then, like, somehow appease people who do know the rules of wrestling. Yes. And this movie is way too much about wrestling to appeal to non-wrestling fans, but not true enough to it to appeal to wrestling fans. Yeah, it's... Oh, God, it's so fucking... Oh, just... It hurts my brain. Um, So a bunch of, like, heel wrestlers come down and attack Jimmy King... And then a bunch of, like, the babyface wrestlers come out and they attack Jimmy King as well. So, could you imagine a wrestling company basically turning their entire roster heel? Yeah, like, what if everyone Montreal screwjobbed? Like, why, why would any wrestling company take their most popular wrestler, fire him for no reason, and make the entire res- wrestling roster, except for Goldberg kick him out of the company like this was the downfall of wcw apparently yeah and like okay heels don't exist in this movie is one thing that i noticed because he's like no diamond dallas page you're gonna be the one whose name they're chanting because i make those decisions blah 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 like no one in this none of the wrestlers in this are technically supposed to be heels they're all supposed to be likable yeah, it's, I guess he's just trying to get rid of, I don't know. It, again, it's one of those things where, like, they're assuming their audience doesn't know what heels and faces are. I just, oh, fuck, I can't, I can't even try to, like, unpack all this shit. Yeah, it's a mess. Um, But this scene wraps up with the two boys being devastated that Jimmy King just got pinned. Um... And they are all upset, and one of them says to the other one that it's because he vacuumed the porta potty with him inside of it. Um, and then they drive home. Yeah, they go home sad, but they get into a wreck, and their shit starts spilling out. And then a toilet paper truck wrecks into them, and they're like, this must be a sign. Yes, because... Oh, my God. And the way this happens is ridiculous. So they crash their car, and then the the poop starts coming out of their car. The sewage does. Then, at the scene of the accident, an uncontrolled, like, cargo truck hits them and explodes with toilet paper just flying out of it like confetti. Which... Is poo-poo pee-pee funny? Yes. Why is it, Peyton, that shit is such a strong motif of this film? I just answered that. 
ah, uh, and it's just because trying to beat you over the head with comedy, and it's just, it doesn't work, obviously. It's like, please laugh at me. Yeah, I mean, it's me doing feud fight. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, it, it's rough. But yes, they decide that this accident is a sign that they have to help King get his career back. You gotta, gotta get Jimmy King, get his groove back. So they're gonna have to go to Atlanta to find Jimmy King. But how which, do we get to Atlanta? A reminder, I don't think we've discussed this. This movie, they live in Wyoming. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if you guys know, you know, uh, geography, but Wyoming and Georgia are literally across the entire country. Um, and we get from one place to the other in about 45 seconds. Yes, with the use of another of 2000's comedy's favorite plot devices, nuns. Yeah, why was that a thing? Because nuns are funny, which is what this movie really wants you to think, because let me tell you, I really thought, okay, I saw the nuns pull up. I said, they're going to really milk this for for all it's worth. There's going to be weird nun sex jokes. There's going to be all kinds of gross stuff involving the nuns, right? Wrong. The nuns have a scene where they sing Running with the Devil, and then they drop them off in Atlanta, and the nuns are out of the movie forever. I will say, that was the one part of the movie I laughed at, was when the nuns sing Running with the Devil. Yeah, and that's a, that's a fine chuckle there. But this movie... I surprised myself. I was like, shit, I think this is the first time I laughed. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh... But no, it's so, uh, it, it just, like, it takes these things, right, and because almost every other 2000s comedy that had nuns in it was going to, to use that more, and it almost subverts the tropes by being as lazy as possible, because everything in this movie takes the shortest possible path to advancing the plot. And yet, the movie still manages to be a excruciating hour and 46 minutes long. It's like this movie made every wrong choice it possibly could. Yes. It's like, you know, it's almost like if you took a test, it's almost harder to get a straight-up zero than it would be to get a 100. Yeah. And somehow this one got a zero. Um... So, they have to track down Jimmy King, which apparently they're able to do just by some kid Googling him and finding a website that has no, his address on no, it. No, 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 no. You misunderstand this part of the movie, Peyton. That was I did not pay that much attention to this movie, apparently. You are the expert here. That was not a Google that that boy did. That was hacking. That was the year 2000 comedy movie hacking. The worst kind of hacking. <laughs> He was like, I'm logged the fuck into the, the mainframe. The, <laughs> the website literally said hackers on it. Well, yeah. I mean, what else? Wh how else do people hack? They go to hackers.com. <laughs> uh, excuse me. Hackers.org. <laughs> and he found, uh, like, just, you know, all of Jimmy King's information, like, 
printed in like basic HTML code. <laughs> yeah, that's and, how computers uh, work. And they were able to to track him down. Um and did you want to talk about the uh the uh the action figure rape scene? Yeah, um just while while Really? Cuz I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say this. Not David Arquette is playing with action figures while the guy's doing the hacking, and he is, well, creating a rape, and it's very bad, obviously. Um, But, so then we're sent sort of on this journey to find King through his various family contacts and things, uh, because the hacker has found everyone's address— on the hacker zone. Um, one of those people is his wife, um, played by Sabrina the Teenage Witch's aunt. Yeah, yeah. The uh, my friend I was watching it with was like, "Oh no, Aunt Hilda, why are you in this?" And uh, and she has crabs because ew. Because crabs joke check. Ew, dirty vagina. Just going down the list. And that's the thing about the writing in this movie. It is just going down the list of things that were funny in buddy comedies in 2000, and it is it's just, checking off it's, the boxes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so, yeah, then we meet his son, who we can see his butt crack. Butt crack. Ah. Um, and then uh, he tells us that he hasn't seen his dad in six months. This part of the movie is supposed to be a joke, but is strikingly very real to actual wrestlers. Mm-hmm. This is the one part they got right. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, I should mention that the hacker kid is abused by his dad, so child abuse joke. Check. Um... He also, uh, they also go to try to find his parents, who were supposed to be dead, apparently, because he has this whole fake biography. You know, I think by 2000, the internet existed, right? I mean, definitely, because we do hacking, so, like, you know, couldn't people look that shit up? Yeah, you'd his think, parents weren't really dead? You'd think that that would be, um, some common When did knowledge? Wikipedia come out? Um, and man, what was the point of this scene with his parents? They they don't come back at all in this movie. It never circles Honestly, back around to them. Like most of this family stuff was not important to the Honestly, most of this movie was not important to the plot of this movie. Yes, absolutely. And and but weirdly, they managed to burn up all of their jokes into all of this movie by the point we're approaching 45 minutes in. And then it grinds to the re- to the finish line. It slowly yeah. crawls there. Yeah. Uh, they eventually find him uh, in a mobile home dressed like a lady. And they make a because, nice trans joke. Check. Because man dressed as lady is funny. Yeah, man. Boy not supposed to be lady. Man not supposed to be lady. If... One thing we learned from this movie, poop joke, funny, gay joke, funny, man not supposed to be lady, funny. Um, I, I really want you to, to do, to, to do this next part of, of this, of, of your, of your favorite line of the movie. 
Okay, so basically, uh, Jimmy King turns them away at first, but they come back with a beer, so he accepts them. And then, in the morning, he pours beer on their faces and says the following line, which is uh, actually has been voted on by uh, a panel of judges to be deemed the worst line ever written in anything, and it's this. Wakey, wakey, hands off, snakey. Yeah. Um, yeah, and everyone I mean, collectively came together and said, this gets the opposite of a prize. This is the worst thing anyone's ever said. And why does he even say that? Are their hands on their snakies? No, in fact, you can see both of their hands. So it was like, who who wrote this script and was like, I got a killer line right here? Yeah, yeah. You think maybe it was an ad lib? Maybe so. Maybe he just sort of just threw that one out there. Um, and they're like, oh, God, just get me through this. I don't want to have to reshoot this. <laughs> one take. And, okay, also a great time to remind everyone that this movie cost $24 million to make. How? Yeah. What I don't did know you why either. money on? Because here's the thing. The wrestling ring already existed. Yeah. Uh, you know... They didn't have to hire people to do stunts for the re- well, except for maybe the actors. But like, there's no startling special effects to speak of. Or yeah, yeah, it's just a twenty-four million dollar movie, and it only made uh, twelve point five million in the box office. So they were out a nice, uh, nice chunk there. Yeah, and, like, the big cost was the fact that it, like, it it pretty much helped end a, an entire wrestling company. It, it helped end the second largest wrestling company ever. <laughs> so, great job, guys. Um, and even at this point, Jimmy King is telling them, he's like, yeah, wrestling's fake. Yeah. But then they're like, we're going to train you to go fight DDP for real? Well, and let's, uh... Let's talk about sort of what happens in between this and his sort of um, character growth section of the movie. Because uh, he tries to kick them out of the trailer, but they turn around and tell him some inspiring nonsense that I didn't bother to write down. Um, which, of course, instantly changes his mind, and then he's on board. So they hatch a scheme that they're going to go and break into the backstage so that he can wrestle... DDP through some contrived garbage. Um, but they sneak him into a porta potty because poop's funny and push him backstage. He attacks DDP because, and they like grab a ref who counts it there backstage because apparently assault in the WCW universe here is, is just allowed. And that's how wrestling works. And I'm losing also- my mind. Consider this. They're, like, filming everything, and they're, um, they're t- the commentators are talking about it. If this was some guy who was fired by the company who just busted in and attacked one of their wrestlers for real, they wouldn't show it. Yeah. They, they, sure, are, they sure are making a lot of money off of, uh, off of this, which brings me i kind of i kind of want to talk about this now what i read on imdb it was apparently 
DDP himself pitched this as an alternate ending, where at the end of the movie, he like shakes hands with uh, with with Jimmy King, and the guys go backstage and they see this and they can't believe that they're friends. And he's like, "Welcome to the business, boys," implying that the entire this entire thing was a work. Oh which my I god! Feel like that would may have saved movie, the movie. That would have made this movie so much better. That one thing would have at least made everything in the movie make sense, made it true to what wrestling really is, and at least allows you to explain everything away that doesn't make any sense. And a wrestler came up with that much better ending than a Hollywood writer did. Um, So, I choose to believe that that is what really is the case here. But, yeah. But the Eric Bischoff uh, stand-in character cuts in and says that if he wants one last match, he can have it in a cell match where if he... Okay, and it's confusing. He says he doesn't even have to win. If he just survives, then I'll let him back in and also give him a million dollars, or he'll get the belt in a million dollars. So What does that mean? Yeah, just survives. Does that mean like exactly? Do, do, are we supposed to take that literally? Like he doesn't get killed? Uh, to me, if someone said that in like real wrestling, I would think, okay, is there like a time limit, and they just have to not stay give up in the right. whole match? Um, but here, but here's it implies the thing: heavily, and even in the match later, it implies that they fully intend on murdering Jimmy King. Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's why I would have to believe this is a work. They're promoting a match with a guy that has apparently been fired. Yeah. For their main yeah. event. They're, like, making money off of a guy that's been fired. Uh, which I don't think is legal. <laughs> then, additionally, while we're here, the boys get a look into the uh, girls' locker room and do some oh, really things. You know, they want to catch a peep of those boobies. Um, before the, uh, an actress that had no business being in this movie, um, comes and shuts the door, uh, and that would be Rose McGowan in that role. You want to know something that's a little bit weird about this? So Rose McGowan and David Arquette are both, uh, are, are love interests in this movie, but they were also both in Scream, where they were brother and sister. Gross! So, Yeah. And here's the thing, Peyton. I'm starting to get nervous about how long this episode is running because I there's still so much more of this movie. And I, I think we're getting getting to it. We're and we're only at like 48 minutes. Yeah, yeah. But that's the thing is that this movie, you would think, okay, we're getting into the the rising action, right? We're getting close to like, like. We're, yeah, this is the point in the movie where I was like, okay, it's about to be over. Yeah, yeah. We're we're getting close to wrapping up. Oh, no. We still have over half of this movie. Over an hour of this movie is left at this point. Jesus. Um, okay. So, then we have... Uh, the, they decide that they have to train Jimmy King to be able to survive the Cell match because he's really scared of the Cell match for some reason. Yeah. Um... And is it, is it, they have a big party at his trailer, I think, is the next scene. Uh, 
where Sasha, who is Rose McGowan's character, sort of starts to to seduce David Arquette. Um, Incest. Yeah, and that scene doesn't really last very long or have very much meaning outside of that interaction. Um, And then it's on to the next one. I do want to mention Mean Gene Okerlund has a great line where he says, do people think I'm sexy? <laughs> For no reason. Just, Why? Just to, just to do it. Um, uh, Jimmy King falls into a sewer. More shit. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy King runs into a sewer to hide and, yes, poop jokes again. Um, um, and and th- this is the point in the movie where I realized that you could make a great drinking game out of this movie. You drink at poop jokes, you drink at gay jokes, and you drink at rape jokes, and you would just be, you would be on your way to the hospital by the end of it. Oh, yeah. But at least you get to pass out and not finish the movie. Uh, (laughs) yes, a preferable fate to watching this movie. So, Um, then, after recovering him from the sewer, we find his mentor. Yeah, who's just some old man. Because it's like, this is like classic uh, literary hero's journey. Indeed, it is. It is. Um... But here's the thing. They don't really establish how he's training him. Like, is he training him to be a better wrestler and, like, showing him better wrestling moves? Or is he training him to fight for real? Neither, because he's still (laughs) doing wrestling moves to him. It's just like decide decide whether you want wrestling to be real or not yes and in fact we have when they knock on his door he's like okay give me a minute i have the whole high school wrestling team in here where he has a wwe style ring and all of these bruised and broken amateur wrestler boys that walk out in shame so i guess this man just spends his days beating up children who come to him for wrestling coaching but high school wrestling isn't pro wrestling it's amateur wrestling the real wrestling so i'm so confused you know see i would be i gotta put this on the parents because what parents saw like an ad for hey i'm an old man and i bring drop your kids off at my house so i can wrestle them (laughs) oh man Um, but Um. I, I also do want to talk about this uh, this this whole thing with Sasha the Nitro Girl. Yeah, um, I mean that's uh, that's the next big thing I think. And uh, and this line that David Arquette says to her, "Buenos nachos, señorita." Yeah, so I guess so. She... We also crammed in racism. Absolutely, we managed to get it in there. Um, yeah, I thought we weren't going to, but we we managed to. So, yeah, David Arquette gets invited to Rose McGowan's apartment, and um, the following scene is just possibly the worst one in the movie, honestly. Um, Because she's flirting with him, and she's like, oh, show me some of your moves. And so he starts beating her up. (laughs) Yes. And her response to being beat up is, let's go have sex. Where he continues to beat her up. Domestic violence joke. Check. Um, they do go to a gym, and they meet Goldberg to try to enlist his help. Uh, and also, I want to point out, in this scene, in the background, 
John Cena is there. Yeah, I noticed that he was listed on the Wikipedia article as uncredited, and I was like, oh, man, that's nuts. Because Cena doesn't make his pro wrestling debut for, like, two years still, right? He starts in the WWE in 2002, and I, I don't know if he ever... Maybe I guess he maybe did some training with WCW. Never was on on TV, but yeah, I guess he was getting his foot in the door. Yeah, <laughs> and the f- it, I'll tell you this: wrong door to get your foot in. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's why it took him an extra couple of years. <laughs> but yeah, so Goldberg is uh, mad at Jimmy King because they were tag team partners, and Jimmy King threw up on him. Uh so the first person to actually give any kind of reason for why they don't like Jimmy King. Yeah, yeah. Other than his like wife for leaving him and giving him crabs. Uh um and it, it's at this point, it's honestly right at the point that the training starts that I feel like this movie grinds to a halt. Um Yeah. That was yeah, the least the the worst part of of the movie because it's like they it's like the first half of the movie they got they checked off their boxes and then looking down at the sheet and seeing all boxes having been checked but having an hour's worth of time left to fill they just started meandering they also don't really explain why jimmy king needs to be trained like he just lost once like why did he just like lose all of his wrestling power yeah yeah He's like Samus at the beginning of a Metroid game. Like, it's not like he's Popeye and he needs to eat his fucking spinach. He's just, he's a wrestler who lost, who has a, like, 14-year winning record and one loss. Um, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Just none at all. Just this whole movie is a mess. Let's, uh, let's talk about, uh, the crimes that start being committed here. Uh, when Perry Saturn and Sid break into the old man's house and attack him. Yeah, and literally hospitalize him. Yeah, why have they not been arrested? And it's at this point that they go visit the old man in the hospital, and we realize that Sasha has been a devil agent the whole time. She only slept with David Arquette to get information out of him about who was training Jimmy King so that crimes could go be committed against an old man. And here's the thing, you know, she she had a really uh, a really solid plan in place. You know, it's, she, I can't believe she got caught. It's not like she was on the phone with Sinclair right in front of David Arquette in public and addressing him by name. Yes, it's not as if she gave away her whole ruse in public directly in front of David Arquette on a payphone. No, he had to do some real sleuthing to figure this one out. Jesus. It was like they, like, couldn't figure out how to, like, do that reveal. Yeah, these writers, again, shortest possible path to plot. At every time. And again, hospitalizing an old man, I don't really know how this really stopped it. Like, what? He's still a wrestler. Yeah! Uh, um, and then the old man, because I guess they just, the only time this movie can be sincere is if an old man's literally dying in a hospital bed. Uh, we get one moment of sincerity out of the movie 
where he gives Jimmy King this whole speech about how he knows he has his demons, but he can be a better person, blah, blah, blah. And that scene is played completely straight, completely away from the entire mood and tone of everything we've seen so far. Yeah. It's like that scene existed in a different movie that was serious. It's like someone accidentally dropped this scene into into this movie. Yeah. Um, you know what they did drop into this movie? Some kid rock music. Yes, because that's what we get next. Uh, and uh, we get. Do you know the name of that song, Peyton? Uh, well, they do two kid rock songs. Uh, they later they do the bomb diggy dog doogy diggy. Yes, that's the one I was referring to specifically. But. This one they do the I'm a cowboy, baby. Weird that both of those songs are by Kid Rock. I he's a weird man. And he's in the WWE Hall of Fame. Ah, good God. Um, um Jimmy King makes amends with his family. Um and then uh they go back to Wyoming where Gordy's own dad kidnaps him and forces him to become a police officer. Okay, this part makes no sense to me. I mean, I, I should stop saying that phrase because we've established this movie makes no sense to anyone. But David Arquette is like, I'm not going to listen to my dad. I'm going to do what I want through the whole movie. And it's implied that this controversy between wrestling and cop has been going on for some time before this. And up until this point, he has resisted the urge to be a police officer. Until now, where his dad just says, hey, you should do it. And he says, I guess you're right. Even though I'm on the road to realizing my dreams, I must now become a cop and give up my dreams. It's because they had to make it look like they had failed. And again, they took the shortest route there. Yeah. <laughs> um... So Jimmy King needs a posse for some reason. I guess because the entire WCW locker room is against him. Other than Goldberg, who seems like a prime pick to be in his lineup, but isn't. Yeah. So he just starts beating up random guys in a barn. Uh, One of them is Pretty Lady with nice boobies. And one of them is Siamese Twins. Siamese Twins joke, check. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I made a bet early on in this movie. I said, there is going to be a joke involving a little person. And do you know how mad I am, Peyton, that my premonition of 2000's comedy joke involving a little person never came to happen, but they threw Siamese twin joke in here? They checked a lot of boxes, man, but yeah, I guess that one was just a missed opportunity. Um... And they yeah. also have the guy singing Oklahoma and thinking he's trying out for a play, and then they're like, ha ha, silly feminine man with his acting. Yep, yep. Um, apparently there was a deleted scene in this movie where they beat him up and tie it to a tree, but tie him to a tree, but they took it off out of the movie because they thought it looked like a hate crime. Um Wow. Yeah. It does. It looks a lot like a hate crime. Sean gets to do a big old sex with the pretty lady. Oh, yeah, the because he, the one that was going he, to make him gay earlier is now back, and now they're together because... I don't know. They didn't really explain that one, did shortest they? Shortest possible path to plot. Um, 
But now we're finally in the climax of this movie, um, where we're at the wrestling show, which is apparently, you know, the main event features a guy who is fired and is banned from the company. I also want to point out, I just, just because, okay, just because I want to really show how much the pace of this movie changes. So far in our recording of this, we did spent about 45 minutes on the first 45 minutes of the movie. A minute-to-minute commentary to content. We have now covered... We're now in the last 20 minutes of the film. And we got there in 15 minutes. Wait. I don't really see what point you're making. <laughs> what, what I'm saying is we were able to cover more ground than we were before. We just covered 40 minutes of film in 15 minutes because there's that much of nothing happening. Oh, yes. I see what you're saying. Yeah, cuz and I also kind of tuned out at that part and didn't really like pay attention, I'll be honest. I tried to. I tried to take notes. There was nothing to take notes on. Yeah. Um Sinclair is talking to Sting backstage and he tells him not to interfere and that I will kill you if you fuck this up. So he's planning on killing more than one person. Yeah, there's a lot of murder floating around. And I like how Sting is barely in this movie and barely says anything, but like his reaction to being in this movie kind of says it all. Like if you look at Sting's face, you're like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Sting is... um. Oh, you yeah, you can tell he is very um, displeased with this whole endeavor. Sting's a trooper, because he stuck with WCW to the very end, was in this movie, went to TNA, which was basically just WCW, like, 2.0. Then he went to WWE and had four matches and got a career-ending injury. Oh, man. What a tragedy. One day we need to talk about how in TNA they made him do a uh, Joker gimmick where he like acted like Heath Ledger's Joker oh, about yeah, five like he was years after the, the Dark time. Knight came out. What did you say? I said he acted like he was in a society the whole time. Yes. But it came out several years after the Dark Knight came out. Oh, my God. He that gimmick. Um. Well, it's important to note that this is a triple cage match. Yes. Which I've... is a match that did not exist before this and was actually, they used it in real life after this movie. Oh, my God. But, uh, you know, and I just was thinking, you know, with us doing bad wrestling last week and us sort of noticing the the parallels between number of cages and badness of match, I was like... the. This triple cage match is the best way to end this terrible movie because just what more what more monument to awful do you need than three cages? And I can't believe they tried to tried to make a real match out of it. One that included David Arquette. This is how David Arquette lost his WCW world title was in was in a triple cage match. Oh. Um so, once again, they wrestle, and they're supposed to be doing real wrestling moves, but also supposed to be real fighting. Oh, and he does, the the announcer says, let's get ready to rumble. He said the name of the movie! Yeah, well, I mean, that was Michael Buffer's catchphrase, so they kind of, like, took it from that. I yeah, mean, I know. I just, whenever someone says the name of the movie in the movie, you gotta, you gotta oh, shout yeah. it out. Yeah, that title drop. Um, We get some pocket sand, at least. Yes! So, um, 
not David Arquette's character, as soon as DDP is going to handcuff um, King... Yeah, I already forgot his name. Jimmy King. Jimmy King. He's going to handcuff Jimmy King to the cell, but he's distracted by not David Arquette throwing pocket sand in his face. And he somehow gets in the handcuffs. Yeah. It is, uh, it is strange. Also, he says this line, a diamond upside down is a pussy. Yeah. Yeah. Because DDP's, like, little sign is a, is a diamond, which apparently if you turn it upside down, I guess looks like a vagina. I get, the movie said it, so it has to be true. It had, must be. Um. Um. The locker room empties out. All the WCW wrestlers start attacking Jimmy King, and one of them is his own son. Yeah, but he's man. He manages to fight all of them off, doing some fun ladder tricks. And like, honestly, this is the best part of the movie right here, um, where you you just see him like doing various wrestling moves on guys, and no one talks. And that lasts all five minutes before his son comes out, and he can't beat up his son. But his son can beat not this time him anyway. Up. Yeah, <laughs> not when he's actually in a wrestling ring. Um. So then everyone gangs up on him and is standing in the middle of the ring, kicking him and beating him. Um, things are not looking great for our hero. But then Peyton, what happens? Well, first the good guy wrestlers show up to help Jimmy King, and then Gordy drives a police motorcycle through the cage as Bomb Diggy Doo Gadoo Gadaga Diggy D by Kid Rock plays. Yes, indeed. David Arquette commits crimes, and that's how this movie... <laughs> but his dad supports him now, for some reason. His dad, who is a cop, now supports his son, who is actively committing crimes. Well, to be fair, there have been a lot of crimes committed. Yes, this... I would like to. I would love to go back through this movie and count every crime that happens. <laughs> yes, there are many. You could put David Arquette in jail for several life sentences, I'm sure. And see, but the biggest crime of all is the movie itself. Absolutely. Um, um Sasha tries to apologize, but she gets hit with a ladder. Yeah. Haha! <laughs> you deserve it. Because beating up ladies is funny. Mm. God, I hate this movie. God, Peyton, uh, it's so DDP and bad. Jimmy King start climbing up to the second cage, and DDP tries to use a fucking noose. Yes, he literally puts King in a noose. They were not. They were serious about murder. See, but here's the thing. It's hard to joke about that when. There was one time in WWE where The Undertaker hung the big boss man with a noose in a cage. Oh. And then, and then they just moved on to the next match, too. Oh, my God. So you didn't know until, like, uh, the next night on Raw that, uh, that big boss man didn't die. <laughs> um, so at this point is when they finally like make it clear what the rules of this match are is that you have to climb up the cages and grab and grab the belt which so it's basically just a more complicated ladder match yeah uh and so uh you know they're climbing sort of neck and neck ddp and and king until they get to the top and uh before you can grab the belt 
King is pushed onto the first cage by DDP on the outside. And then that's when Sting shows up to help and zip lines across and kicks DDP off the top cage. And, uh, and he goes back into the ring. And the, Gordy and Sean are so excited and they're like, oh, we love Jimmy King and we love you and we're men and we're not afraid to say we love other men. And Sting punches him. Gay because, joke. Because no, no, but nobody do a homo to big wrestler man. No. You do a homo to big wrestler, man. You get the punch. Um. So Jimmy King then slams DDP on top of the cage. And he ends up falling through all three into the ring. So I guess he's dead, right? Guess so. Guess he's done. There's no way he wouldn't have died. Yeah, that was, um, I agree. He's super dead. Um. So Jimmy King grabs the belt and wins. Everyone is happy except for me. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's when Gordy and Sean attack Sinclair and say, you didn't make wrestling. We made wrestling, meaning the fans. And then a bunch of fans just start beating the shit out of this dude. Yep, mob justice right there, baby. But perhaps no scene is more puzzling to me than the final scene of this film where we're back at the convenience store in Wyoming. And, uh, uh, I should also, uh, before I mention this, I should mention that King then makes David Arquette his partner? Yeah, I'd now bequeath you a wrestler. Yeah, and makes David, not David Arquette, his, their manager. You drove a motorcycle into a ring and now you're a wrestler. Yeah. Um, Which, to be fair... Yeah, it's kind of what happened. That's more than what David Arquette did in real life, and he became a wrestler. Yep. Um, so, then we're, we're back at the convenience store in Wyoming, and they're telling the story to the kids, and they're like, yeah, but you're not really going to be wrestlers. You're never actually going to be a manager full-time. That was just a one-off thing. And that's when Goldberg throws a grocery, grocery store clerk through a window. Mm-hmm. Because they're all buddies. They're all out here committing assault together. And they make him say, they make the clerk say, I'm your bitch and you're my daddy. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Um. And then after committing this crime, they all hop in their Jeep and drive off and have a good time together. Yeah, what I want to know is, uh, is what happened to Jimmy King's career after this? That's a great question. You know, I mean, are they like, because here's the thing is like, there's nobody to run WCW, I guess. And uh, like, that's what I thought he was going to say, because his whole thing was like, I'm going to get the million dollars. I'm going to pay my debts off and I'm going to go be with my family. But at the end of the movie, that doesn't happen. He he just because like when Goldberg's like, you need a tag team partner. And he's like, no, wait. I thought he was going to be like, I'm stepping away from wrestling to go be with my family. But instead, he just makes David Arquette his tag team partner. Yeah. Here's another thing. Why didn't uh why didn't Jimmy King just go wrestle for the WWE? Right? I, that's what I was thinking this whole time is like if this was real, he just would have gone to wrestle for a different company. Apparently, he's like the biggest star in wrestling. He could have just gone to WWE. Yeah. So, um, overall, this is easily one of the worst movies I've ever watched in my entire life. 
Yeah, it's pretty fucking bad. Uh, I, uh, I don't know why this movie was made. And, again, we fucking, like, there are so many questionable choices about this movie. And then, you know, of course, the promotion of it in, in which David Arquette is, is, wins the WCW world title, which a lot of people consider to be the final nail in the coffin for WCW. It's just, this movie is, like, so important to wrestling history in such a bad way. I don't think any movie has had a bigger impact on wrestling than this, and it's and it's for such a bad reason. Yeah, man, it's... God, it's rough. And it's just... Can we, you know, for the canon of our show, can we say that anytime we talk about the end of the WCW, we blame it directly on Ready to Rumble? I mean, I think that, like, people do that for real. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you can draw a pretty direct line. Um, oh, for sure. But wow, what a bad, bad movie. Yeah. Uh, worse, worse than I thought it would be, honestly. Yeah, same. Um, it's it's a bad movie. It it makes wrestling look so dumb. Like for a movie that was supposed to be about wrestling, like that's why I question, like, who is this for? Because it, it is and it isn't for wrestling fans. Yeah. Yeah. Because, it, like, if you're a wrestling fan, you wouldn't like this movie because of the way it portrays wrestling. If you're not a wrestling fan, you won't like this movie because it's all about wrestling. Exactly. And it, it's just so mismatched and just bad. Just overall bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um... <sighs> And yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. This movie never found an audience because it managed to alienate every audience. And that's a task. That's really hard to do. It's like you said earlier yeah. about the test, you know. It's hard to make 100, but it's even harder to get a zero. And that it's, is what this movie has managed to do. It's an incredible feat. I got to give him I got to give him a hand for that. Um so <sighs> Well, um, yeah, I don't know what else more there is to say about this other than it was, uh, it was, it was so bad. What was your least favorite part of the movie? Um, definitely the domestic violence, uh, sex scene. That to me was Mm. the, the apex of it being horrible. What about you? Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to say, I I don't, honestly... I really want to say the uh, the uh, the police brutality bit. Oh, okay, yeah, that one's the, a good the, one. That the, one's the fact a good that one. Th- they were like, "Ha ha ha, we shot somebody. Now be a cop, or I'll kill you." Yep. Um, I honestly, though, that's the most realistic part of the film. You know, you're not wrong. <laughs> I have a theory that uh, that Jimmy King went on to. Uh, to uh, have a very short career and, and short life because of a uh, lifetime addiction to uh, drugs and alcohol. Yeah, that's the most uh, realistic ending. But yeah. Seriously, so. you know, getting to the end of this now and talking about the the actual alternate ending that DDP had suggested, that would have almost made this movie halfway decent. 
Yeah, like, for it's, it's amazing an, what an ending can do to a movie. Yeah, if it, it would have been like you went through all these weird twists and turns at the behest of the company because it was all a work. Like God, that would have actually been fun. Yeah, and it would have like it would have made everything make more sense. And when a wrestler has a better idea for your movie than you do, you should never be allowed to write anything ever again. You're banned from words. What was the were the creators of this movie even wrestling fans? Like, um, where did they come up with this idea? I I I know David Arquette oh is a real wrestling God. fan. Okay, what? This is written by the same guy that wrote Little Nicky, so... Ooh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. Okay. But also Heavyweights and the Mighty Ducks. Yeah. Yeah. So... I'm gonna be honest, I've never seen Heavyweights, but I've heard that it is good. You have 100% seen Heavyweights, because you've watched it with me. Oh, that's right, Zach Denmark made us watch it, huh? Mm-hmm. I do remember that now. I do remember that now. And I remember it being... I'm not going to say good. It was all right. It was okay. better than this piece of shit. Yeah, it was, it was miles better than Ready to Rumble. Streets ahead. Okay, uh, we're, let's, uh, let's put ourselves out of, out of our own misery and, uh, and uh, wrap this thing up for you. Uh, that's going to about do it for this edition of Turnbuckle Training. Uh, once again, always follow us uh, on Twitter at Turnbuckle Train. You can also follow us individually at our Twitter handles. I'm at P8, number 810, underscore G. And Zach is at, at Tiny Big Dude. Um, next week, I've decided because our next episode. Or, excuse me, not next week, but in two weeks. Our next episode comes out on Halloween. Ooh. So we gotta do something spooky, right? Absolutely. So I may regret this, but our next episode is gonna be all about the boogeyman. Okay, here's what I'm excited about. We've been watching wrestling for over a year now, and I don't know who that is. He's a character who is the boogeyman. He's he's He comes out... And he smashes a big clock on his head, and he eats worms. Okay, I'm going to allow us to do this for Halloween. I'm going to okay that. If you will okay for me a all-gobbledygooker episode for Thanksgiving. Here's the thing. Our 30th episode comes out on Thanksgiving Day. Yes, uh, gooker thon the problem is the gobbledygooker has only ever made two appearances in wrestling history. And we're going to so, stretch those two appearances across a whole hour and a half. And, and one of them is literally his just a cameo. So really, we're just going to watch the pay-per-view where he, he makes his big debut. And his that one time he was in the Royal Rumble for two seconds. I, I guess we can watch. We, although, to be fair, we, we actually have Royal watched Royal Rumble, that. though. We have to have context. Okay, well, it is. It was the gimmick battle royal at WrestleMania 17, which we have already watched on this show. Watch it again. Fine. <laughs> Thanks for listening. It's me, Austin. The numbers don't lie, and they spell disaster for you and sacrifice. Oh, son of a bitch. Oh my God.
I did it for the love.